Father, we continue to just give you praise. We just want to say together that we love you. We worship you this morning. Father, you are a great God. Lord, just uh, receive our, our praise as just simple people in you this morning. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this last week, there was a couple things that took place that I'd kind of like to share with you. One is I, I've told you before that there's kind of a new relationship between the CID and churches here in the land. And a program was proposed that we would talk about human trafficking. That took place last Sunday. And so there are, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe 30, uh, 40 people from different churches there. And it was incredible. It was really, really good. Because we had people from the Abu Dhabi police, from the prosecutor's office, and then we had the Emirati ladies that were running a safe house for women who'd come out of, of the slavery of prostitution and trafficking. And it was just a great time of being together. We met at St. Andrew's Church. And it's always a privilege to go and welcome Emiratis to come into a church and then just to talk about these things. And the program that they have is, is, is really fantastic. So if, if you have any um, knowledge of someone who's been caught in that kind of human trafficking, get a hold of me. We can put you in touch with uh, the officials who will help. And they help with everything. They cover the finances of these ladies. They do retraining for these ladies. If they can't go home because they've had a baby along the way, they'll help find another country for them to go, and they'll pay for it all. Not bad. So uh, I'm very thankful for that, that uh, type of service that the government is, is using and, and doing here. The other thing that I, that I ran across this week was actually really disturbing. And I was just fellowshipping with uh, uh, Reverend Andy Thompson over at, at St. Andrews. And he said, Kevin, you won't believe what happened this week. He went into a fellowship that was meeting on their compound. And it was a prayer meeting for healing. But this is how it worked. If you wanted a little healing, a little healing, you would get in this line. And as you got to the end of the line to the person who prayed for you, you would give them 1,000 dirhams. But if you wanted a little more prayer, a little more powerful engagement, you would get in the middle line. And before they would pray for you, you would give them 2,000 dirhams. And then there was this line where they would really pray for you for a long time and you would pay them 5,000 dirhams. Brothers and sisters, this is Colossians. This is what Paul has been saying. We need to understand our faith. These were Ethiopians. They were not rich people. They had been saving and saving and saving. And they were being deceived. And I was glad when Andy said he shut it down immediately. I hope you're reading Colossians every day. I hope you're digging deep. I hope that this, this truth of the gospel of what is communicated to us here will go so deep inside of you that you can tell when things come up like that that are totally, completely 
false because we're saved by grace and God's grace is free and God wants to pour out his blessings and we don't need to go pay people to do that. But it's a warning. It's a warning, isn't it? Well, this morning we're looking at chapter 3 and in verse 12 we're going to start. Last week we talked about putting to death sin. This week, we're going to be talking about putting on things. Putting on things that are of God, that are of His kingdom. And so in verse 12, it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I love the way Paul starts again. He just doesn't jump into what they need to do. He says, brothers and sisters, let me tell you who you are. Who you are in Jesus. And he uses these three terms. That you are chosen. That you are holy. That means set apart. That you are beloved. And God has been using these terms, really, since the beginning of time. Because all through the Old Testament, as he's talking about the people of Israel and their role to be a light to the world, that they were chosen, holy, and beloved. And then when we see the Lord Jesus Christ coming down to this earth, and how is he described, and we see how he is the cornerstone. He is the chosen and precious one. We see that he is the holy one of God. And at his baptism, where the voice from the Father came and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Old Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. And now, it's us. Chosen, holy, Beloved, because actually the whole thing goes back into the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we are chosen, holy, and beloved. And that is the status that we stand in today as we just even sit together in this room. You know, I think it's hard sometimes for us to really grasp and really believe, really believe that we're loved. I think too often we think, I'm not good enough to be loved. I've done too many bad things. I can see why God would love that person and that person, but for God to love me, I don't know. Last week I shared with you a little of my journey going through uh, cancer. And there was one other major event that took place that was life-changing for me. And this was about uh, three months at the end of my chemotherapy. And I'm just in my house. I'm just kind of laying down on the couch. And I'm, just, I'm not discouraged. I'm not depressed. I'm just thinking about my life. 
And I'm thinking about my body, which basically is trying to kill me at this point. And then I'm thinking about, well, how good of a husband am I being to Teresa? And I'm doing nothing for her. She's doing everything for me. And I'm thinking, how good of a father am I being to our teenage daughter? And I'm doing nothing for her. She actually has to help take care of me. And I thought, how much ministry am I doing? I'm, I'm not doing any ministry right now. I'm not even going out of the house. I'm not encouraging anybody. I'm doing nothing. And I'm just laying there, and I'm just thinking, what's left? As God was just kind of stripping away these layers of things that we tend to cling to or look for for our worth. And as I laid there and these things just all stripped away, I came to this point that all that was left that I could feel is this little soul that was called Kevin. And that's all there was. And it was like heaven opened. And God's love just, boom, came down. Said, Kevin, that's what I love. I just love you. Because I made you. I created you. I want you to be my son. I want to spend eternity with you. I don't love you because you're a good father or a good husband or you have degrees or you do all this ministry. That is not why I love you. I just love you for who you are in my eyes. I've never felt so much love as laying on that bed, totally feeling, in a sense, worthless. Brothers and sisters, do you sense that for you this morning? That is how much God loves you. That is God's desire for you. Not the things that you've done, just because he created you. God's love. And so as we think about this incredible state that he's put us into of of now being chosen and holy and loved, he goes on to say, now it's our part. We've gone from that domain of darkness and we've moved and transferred into this kingdom of light. And our part, he's saying at this point, Put on. And he lists five characteristics. And really, if you look at the characteristics like we're going to, you know what he's talking about? He's really saying, put on Jesus. And he actually says that in the letter to the Romans. He says, put on Jesus. And we do that by taking these characteristics and by incorporating them into our lives. Put on then. This is a garment. Just putting it on like we took off the old sin garment. Put this on. Compassionate hearts. To show compassion. It means mercy, concern, sensitivity to others. We see this in Jesus Related in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, 
It says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. And we see just Christ's compassion and care and love for his own disciples. Overwhelmed with life and the ministry at that point. But there's also something else happening. Because in the context of Mark, right before he talks about this, he talks about the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus' relative. The one who went before him. The one who baptized him. And he heard of his death. And you know how he died. How he was in prison. How King Herod had a huge party. People are getting drunk. It was lewd. They had these dancers come out. He's so infatuated with the dancer that he says, whatever you want, I'll give to you. And she says, I want John the Baptist's head. Jesus knew all of that. And so in that context of even Jesus having that news and how that is affecting him emotionally, seeing his disciples who are so exhausted. And so what does he say? Let's go. Let's get away. His compassion going out. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. That compassion overwhelmed Jesus' tiredness, or maybe his own sense of loss to seek out and to serve other people. Put on compassion. And then he says kindness. Kindness is a tender concern for others. And in Luke chapter 6, we see this about God, about the Lord Jesus Christ. We see him say, but love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. But listen to this. For he, the Most High, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Think about that. See, our kindness isn't based on the response of people. Our kindness is... Is that me? (laughs) Is based on the character of God. We are kind to ungrateful or even evil people only because we want to be like our Father, and our Father does that. Put on kindness. And then humility. As we read in our passage this morning from Philippians 2, and I want to revisit that humility, that humble attitude that is without arrogance. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility 
count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Put on that kind of humility. Meekness. That is a gentleness of attitude. We see that in Matthew 11, where Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, I am meek, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Put on gentleness, meekness. And then he goes on to patience. That is that tolerance, long-suffering, that endure injuries that is inflicted by others. And I think of the time of the Last Supper where Jesus is with the disciples. And it seems the entire night he's been battling with the Apostle Peter. Remember, Jesus was trying to have a, a, a picture statement of being a servant, and he, he got the, the bowl of water and the towel, and he went around washing his feet, and right away, huge conflict. Peter, you're not washing my feet. And the whole night is just this tension. And even Peter claiming that he would stand with Jesus no matter what. And I look at Jesus' response, Luke 22, when he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. The patience of the Lord Jesus Christ with Peter and all of his issues and his arrogance and his the things that he does. And, and all along the way, Jesus is just loving him. Even when he says he, he's going def- to deny him, the Lord Jesus is with their patient saying, hey, you're going to come back to me. When you do, let's get busy with the ministry that we have. Patience. And so we have these five things that God has said to us through the Apostle Paul that we need to put these things on. And just like last week, we can't just read about it, can we? We need to put these things on. You know, last week, I feel, was a very defining moment because I think God takes very seriously when we as a group stand together and come before His throne and confess those kind of things, and make commitments to him. And so as we go to do that again this morning, not in the negative sense of of confession that we did, but as we go to God right now, 
we're actually going to be looking to the future. Not the past of what's happened, but we want to put on the things that are going to change this society and this city and this country and this region. And these are the things that God is calling us to put on. And when we abide in Him, He starts to give us fruit, supernatural, spiritual fruit that is going to be eternal and is going to last forever. So can I ask you to stand with me as we pray? And if I could ask for the elders that are here, if you could come down to the front with me. Because we are praying... For the future. We can't do this without Pastor Gareth. Because he is going to be very much a part of this family. And this future. So Pastor Gareth. Is going to be praying. It's going to be my voice. But this is the prayer. That he wants to join with the elders. And with this community, as we look ahead to what the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. So let's be contemplating that together now, with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, literally coming into the throne room of God. Let's listen to Pastor Gareth's words as he leads all of us in bringing these things to God. Heavenly Father. We thank you today for the righteousness of Christ. Today, Lord, we acknowledge our corrupt, deceitful desires that were all part of our old former lives and ask you through the Spirit of God to renew our minds. Thank you, Lord, that while we were still in our sins, you demonstrated your love for us by dying for rebels like us. Help us today to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Lord, conform your children into the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus through the working of the Holy Spirit. Help us to look to Jesus and live as he lived in spirit and truth, seeking only to do your will and to live a life that honors you. Help us as a church to make the right choices in our lives, the choices that honor you. Help us, Lord, to be compassionate. Lord, we know you had compassion on the multitudes and fed them and cared for them. Lord, please open our eyes. Help us to see those around us that are in need of our compassion. Compel us to listen to them, to hear their needs. Give us the heart to be interested in their troubles and the ability and readiness to help where we can. May New Life Church have a passion for the lost, like you did, Lord, ministering not just to their physical needs, but also to their spiritual needs with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we never forget that we too were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Please, Lord, give us an understanding and compassionate heart that we will always be kind and more and more like Jesus in every way. Help us to show kindness. Father, we are grateful for the kindness and the generosity you show us every day. And we ask that you help us to see those around us in the same way you do, as loved 
and treasured people. Teach us to respond in love and not in fear, to offer kindness even in our anger, to listen before lashing out. You have given us a spirit of love, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Show us, Lord, what it means to offer these gifts to our neighbors and each other with confidence, conviction, and a sound mind. Teach us as a church, Lord, to be kind, gentle, generous, loving, giving and forgiving wherever we may go. Jesus, teach us humility. Gracious Father, reprogram our souls with your word to remember the world is all about Jesus and not us. Help us not to think more highly of ourselves than we should, but to delight in regarding others is more important. Rescue us from the self-deception of pride by giving us a realistic view of our sinful nature and a more grateful attitude of your amazing grace, which rescued us from the wrath we deserved. Father, as we battle against pride, keep us from a false humility that fails to recognize your gracious gifts. Rather, help us steward what you have given us as faithful servants, ready to wear the garment of humility and serve you in whatever capacity would best serve the local body of New Life Church and bring praise to your name. Lord, help us submit to our elders as those who are guardians of our souls. Help the husbands amongst us lead with sacrificial love and the wives serve with humility out of reverence for Christ and the children to honor their parents, reflecting the humility of Christ to all around us. Lord, your son left the pleasures of heaven for a life of service on earth. And he gave his life for undeserving and ungrateful people. Help us have his attitude, remembering that you oppose the proud and give grace to the humble. You must become greater. We must become less. Lord, help us to live with meekness. Lord, you have said in your word that blessed are the meek. Help us to be gentle not by asserting ourselves over others in order to further our own agenda and get our own way, but rather to trust in you to direct our paths. Lord, remind us that the only way we can restore a brother or sister who has fallen into sin is with a spirit of meekness and gentleness by remembering our own spiritual bankruptcy and depravity. Father, draw us into meekness. Soften our hearts that you would show us through Jesus how to live in love, day by day. We pray that you would forgive our sins and open our eyes and hearts to forgiveness for others in our lives. We ask that you would help us to guard our speech, that the words we say would be life-giving and glorifying to you. Patience, O Lord, thank you for your loving patience. It's not giving what we deserve and being long-suffering with us. Help us echo this kindness in our relationships with each other at New Life Church by not being petty as we interact with others, but instead overlooking minor faults with a love that covers a multitude of sins. God, teach us what it means to have faith in silence. 
when we face trials that are beyond our understanding, help us to find peace because of a confidence in your character. Help us to be a church that is joyful, hopeful, and patient in affliction. You said all these things in accordance to your time. Remind us to wait patiently, pray constantly, and find peace in your perfect plan. Lord, we bow before you in loving allegiance, confessing you as Lord over all of our lives and all of creation. The fact that we all belong to one and the same church, that we have been redeemed by the same blood and chosen by the same grace, and that we are all brethren in Christ. May this beautiful truth lead us to manifest a spirit of compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience, meekness, unity, and love to the praise of your glory and for the joy of your people. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. As I said earlier, there's just something special when we take that time to really bow before God together as a corporate group and lay those things out. And it'll be exciting to see how God will use that to his glory in our future. I think some pretty exciting and incredible things are coming our way. And so, getting back to Colossians chapter 3, In verse 13, he goes on to give us instructions. And he says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So there is the reality of living together that we will rub against one another at times. And here is this sense of bearing one another's burdens. And it, it means, hey, when I do something stupid, put up with me. And I'll do the same with you. And there is this sense that being on a greater journey together with our only Lord and Master Jesus, that we bear with one another along the way. And then as he goes in to talk about forgiveness, he raises the bar about as high as it can be raised. Because what he says to us is basically that we need to do what God has done for us. If God has forgiven us all of our sins, how can we not forgive other people? You know, forgiveness, it's central to who we are. Central to moving forward. It's probably one of the things that gets derailed, that gets sidetracked more often than anything else. And for unforgiveness can be like a cancer that spreads and puts you in chains. And probably every one of us here could have a testimony of things that have happened in our lives that have just hurt us deeply. And if we're honest, they got us a little bit sidetracked. 
early on in our ministry, I had one of these experiences. It wasn't a personal issue. It was a corporate issue in the organization that we're working in. And it was a mess. We had one of our senior international leaders come in. He said this was the biggest mess he'd ever experienced in our organization. And it was nasty. And I remember sitting in a, in a small little circle with the other people, and they're discussing this, and it had been going on for a long time, and the tensure tension and the anger was growing inside of me and then my leader sitting next to me he said something and it just pushed me over the edge and I got up out of my chair and my fingers got organized into a fist and he knew I was going to hit him and I just remember he was still sitting down and he just kind of looked up at me and he said Kevin before you hit me, can I just take my glasses off? That's what he told me. That calmed me down. I sat back down. But I was over the cliff. And I said to the leaders, I need a break. I need space. I got Teresa, our kids, packed them up, flew over to Cyprus. We're going to stay there for about three to four weeks and find out what God wants us to do next because I'm not happy. <laughs> and so during that time in Cyprus, just praying through these issues. Now, I, I got to tell you also that you do understand I was 100% right, and they were all 100% wrong, okay? <laughs> just so that's clear. And just praying and fasting and praying, <clears throat> and at the end of that month, I had my conclusion. And my conclusion was simply this. I said to God, I do not want to work with those people any longer. I do not want to work in an organization that does that kind of stuff any longer. I do not want to meet with a ministry that functions in that way any longer. And God answered me. And he said, so what? And then he went on. And he said, Kevin... If you love me, then you will obey me. You will work with that organization. If you love me, you will obey me. You will work with that ministry. If you love me and obey me, you will work with those people, and you will reconcile. Full stop. So that's what we did. (laughs) Was it easy? No. It took time? Yes. It took months? Yes. But those relationships that God commanded me to re-engage and reconcile, Teresa and I would consider our richest relationships in our organization for the last 30 years now. And being able to work in our organization and see how God has used that up until today in things that have been done. And how God can take those things in our life that have been broken. That if we are in obedience to him, he can fix them. And allow us to move on in ways that brings him glory. 
that was over 30, about 30 years ago, and I look back at that, and I just think, what if I would have said no? Where would we be? We surely wouldn't be here. And having the privilege to be with you guys. Forgiveness is what we need. Unforgiveness is a cancer. Listen to what psychologists say about unforgiveness. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Just as important as defining what forgiveness is, though, is understanding what forgiveness is not. Experts who study or teach forgiveness make clear that when you forgive, you do not gloss over or deny the seriousness of an offense against you. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting, nor does it mean condoning or excusing offenses. Forgiveness brings the forgiver peace of mind and frees him or her from corrosive anger. You see, unforgiveness in us damages us, holds us back, puts us back in chains. But when we forgive, chains are broken. God replenishes with joy. There's the possibility of reconciliation and moving forward. Why do we forgive? I have five reasons here. We forgive because we have been forgiven by God. We forgive in obedience to God. We forgive others to gain control of our lives from hurt emotions. We forgive so we won't become bitter and defile those around us. We forgive because reconciliation is central to the gospel. And so he says to us that we need to forgive. just as the Lord <clears throat> has forgiven us. Let's just pause for just a second. I want to pray for that. Father God, Lord, this is such a huge deal for us, and I would just ask that your Holy Spirit would move through this room right now. Lord, if there is any one of us that has unforgiveness that is a cancer inside of us right now towards a family member back home in our home countries or for an organization or a boss or a company or, or whatever it may be, Lord God, may your Holy Spirit just shine light on that right now. And may you give us wisdom on how to deal with it. Father, we want to be set free from that. We don't want to carry that anger anymore. We don't want to, to be in those situations where we avoid people because we don't want to be with them anymore. We want to be free. We want your joy. We want your presence to just grow and grow in our lives. Help us, Lord, as we do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as he goes on from that, forgiveness to verse 14, 
And he says, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love. Put on Jesus. You know, I was just thinking this morning on the way here, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to put a sign above my door. Put on love. Every time I go out of my house, I'm going to have that reminder. Put it on for the people in the elevator, for the security guard downstairs, for the people that I meet, for the people that I'm out and I'm driving and they cut me off. That's going to be hard. (laughs) But we're going to put love on. I'm going to put love on. And then he goes on in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That peace of Christ, it's to rule us. But notice he's talking about you all. It's plural. That peace of Christ is going to rule over all of us. Everything that he's talking about here in terms of putting these things on is, again, it's how we're relating to one another. It's how we're functioning as his body with the one head. Let his peace rule, the prince of peace. And then he goes on in verse 16, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing hymns, uh, psalms, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so here we have, take this, take this word, And let it dwell in you, it says. It's like dwell. That word is like when you live in your house. You go in and you're in that presence. We want God's word to just permeate through us and live inside of us, dwell inside of us. And I love the way it says that we do this together. We admonish one another. We're sharing together one another with the truths that Scripture has for us. That's what he says here. And finally, in verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever we do, whatever words are going to come out, whatever actions that we're going to be a part of, we remember Jesus. We think of Jesus. We have put on Jesus. And he ends by saying this, that we are giving thanks to God. And actually, this is the third time in just these four or five verses where he's talking about that thanksgiving. And I think that is so key for us because it's been all through the book. When we really understand what God has done for us as an individual and our hearts are overflowing with thanksgiving to God, that thanksgiving starts to rule us, guide us, help us as we're relating to one another. As we go throughout our world, there's this sense of God's incredible love for us, what he's done for us. And in that thanksgiving, we're actually, it just overflows to one another. 
And it's hard to get angry with one another when we're thankful to God for our sins being forgiven. And we're thankful to God for the gifts that he's given other people and that how he's called us together for his glory, giving thanks. So, Father God, as we come to this end of putting sin to death and putting off those sins, things of anger, Lord God, as we have put on today these things, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love, unity. Lord, as you heard our prayer earlier today, Father, we are serious about this prayer. We are serious about our walk with you. We are serious about being obedient to you. Please hear our cry. And would you just take this this morning as a form of worship from us. And Lord, may you anoint us with your Holy Spirit to walk now in ways that we never even dreamed, that you would just pour more of your gifts into us, more of your joy. Lord God, that may we respond with more and more thanksgiving. Because Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We give you praise in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.